You're listening to Modded. And on today's episode, we are in Hayward, Northern California, with my good friend Thompson Ho. Um, first met you a couple of shows ago. You're part of a crew that rolls around here in Northern California. Primarily, um, the guys I know who have Subarus introduced me to you. And from the get-go, you seem like a very well-spoken individual. You've got your own business here set up, and I was really interested in getting to know um, really why you were making the choices you were with the cars that you have, and um, basically just getting a history of how you ended up in Northern California. So where, first of all, like, where were you born, and then kind of tell us the story of how you ended up here in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, so I just want to uh, say, um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, or on this podcast, um, to kind of give you some background insight on where I'm from. I'm from born in Dallas, Texas. Um, I was there uh, for about four years. I was growing up as a kid, and then I suddenly moved out here to the Bay Area with my family um, because the rest of our uh, extended family was living in California at the time. Um, from that point on, I kind of I started school. I grew up in uh, a city called Alameda, in California. It's it's in a SF Bay Area, um, and then I went from K to all the way to high and high school. Um, after I graduated, I moved out to uh, Champaign, Illinois. I, I did university there for, for my engineering degree and then um, brings me back here because I started um, the business back here in, in Hayward. So now I'm, now I'm back in the Bay Area uh, for good, just, just doing this full time. Why did you choose engineering in the first place? Um, so in my high school years, I had a very, uh, I had, had a very, uh, I was very, very, very enthusiastic about robots and uh, I like tinkering with things. I did a lot of free time like CAD on my own, just, just I would make simple products. Um, I had like a hobbyist 3D printer and then I would make it. Um, and then we would make tiny components for robots and we competed in this competition called First Robotics, um, where we would compete against the, the other high schools in our area. Um, and there's an annual competition for robots and then they would essentially fight each other. Um, so, so having that kind of definitely influenced um, my hobby uh, for cars because I like tinkering with things. I like building things, putting things together essentially. Um, uh, so that that yeah, that's just, yeah. Did your family have any history with cars, or was that all essentially starting with you? I would say my dad had a had a like a slight interest in cars. He was more so intrigued by planes. So growing up, I definitely saw him uh, working on his own plane in his hangar. Um, he had like a tiny propeller jet. Um, he would take me on flights all the time. Um, but that definitely did spark an interest uh, for me to want to work on my own things, whether it be like my bike or, you know, my skateboard back in the day when, or, you know, now it's going to be cars. Um, but I wouldn't say there was a direct influence um, for cars because of my parents alone. They weren't really into like modifying cars or tinkering with cars, just my dad with planes. So when you were growing up, what was like the poster on the wall car for you, the thing that you strive to get? Um... It was the same for every kid. Like back back in the day at the, at the book fairs, you had these yellow like Mercilagos, like Lamborghinis. That was the poster car for me. Uh, I think I had a Ferrari F40 in my room growing up, um, and then I had a 911 Carrera. So those was basically those those three cars. So what was the first car that you purchased, and then did something to it? It was uh, this FRS right here next to us. Um, I purchased this when I was actually in college. I think it was my sophomore year of college. Um, I had made some money. I sold it. Back then I was like super into like photography. 
Um, and I had made a good amount of money for my side business doing uh, freelance CAD. Um, essentially, I would, I would do the CAD drawings for some of my colleagues and then, you know, kind of word got out that I was doing the designs on my own. Um, and so from the money I made, I, I, you know, I used it to help purchase this FRS. And I think the first thing I did was I tinted the taillights with like a VHT taillight spray. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world back then. And then I put a lip on it and then things slowly just spelled out of control for the next few years. Did you have a style at the very beginning? Because I remember we were talking with some of the guys back in the day and uh, you said that you were not as big a fan of Stan. So what were you, like what was your goal with the car? So, so my, I don't know, so there's not a lot of people out there that, you know, that follow me that kind of understand what this car looked like when, it, when I was first done with it. Um, but it, I kind of like the street style. I, I, was, I still like being low, but it wasn't, you know, back then it wasn't about like having like the most camera or like, you know, fender to lip fitment. It was just like, I just wanted to be low and then I just wanted to, to you know, be able to drive the piss out of the car. Um, so the first setup that this car was on, it was on original bronze T37s, 17 by nine, if I recall correctly. Um, I was stretching like a 215, uh, 40, 17 tire on it. And the car was decently low cause I was maxed out on a BC, BC coilovers back then. Um, funny story is when I was putting back, putting the car together, um, I really had no experience with working on cars myself, uh, but I had purchased a, a plethora of tools to, to do it myself because I was reading all these guys and I was like, wow, this is gonna be fun. So after I did the, the taillight tint, um, I installed coilovers on the car. I think that, yeah, they were BC coilovers. And then I already knew, I was I did a ton of reading before I even bought the car. I think some of, some of the parts I even bought before I purchased the car, um, made a few industry friends that way. And then after that, you know, the parts started piling up and then, uh, after I finished my semester in school, I immediately, literally the first day after I finished uh, that, that semester, I started putting parts on the car. So first it was like the, the taillight tint and then the lip. And then for some reason I wanted to tackle the coilovers because I, I don't like how cars look when it's stock height, but it has like wheels on it. Um, so I put the coilovers on and then uh, because the TE, the original TEs, they were 514, I wanted that concave face. Um, this car from factory is 500, so I did a, uh, I used conversion adapters. And uh, for, for FRS and beers, you guys who know this car, um, when you use a tiny conversion adapter, you have to shave your studs. Um, so I think I went to like, I went to get, I went to buy power tools and I bought a, a cutoff wheel and I was shaving my studs in my driveway, literally like the second week I had the car. And then uh, I think uh, my dad passed by and he saw me and he was like, what are you doing to the car? Cause they're like sparks are flying everywhere, right? And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get these adapters on. So I got the adapters on at the end of the day. Um, this was, you know, after the coilovers were all done. And then uh, I put the wheel, I put the front pair of TEs on and like, I just loved how like the car was like sitting so low and it was perfect. Um, I have a speed bump at the entrance of my community and I, I was scraping over it the first time I took it for a test drive, but you know, I loved how it looked. And then uh, over the years that my style kind of stayed the same. It was kind of like a, like a street setup. Um, Decently low, uh, and then slowly I just started adding more and more camber, fitting more aggressive wheels. But I did stand by the whole monoblock wheel movement. I, I never really had, I've had multi-piece wheels, but I've always gone back to, you know, Volk T's or, um, you know, wheels, wheels like that, just forged monoblock wheels. I, I believe in quality parts. Uh, even even the, like the first C wheels I had, they were T's. So I'm, I stand strongly by that. Have you always had a sense of fitment? 
because I've, I've taken a look at all, every single one of your cars. The Femin is fantastic, and it seems like from day one that was always on your mind. That was a um, that was a huge priority of mine. Like obviously, I I wanted to drive the car, but you know I. I used to take this car backroading when I was slammed uh, for Bay Area guys. There's a road called Redwood Road that goes through Castro Valley and Oakland Hills. Um, super bumpy road, and I think I had like an inch of clearance from my my uh, skid plate, which covered the oil pen. Um, but I wouldn't. I refused to drive this car unless the fitment looked good. And granted, I like even back then I didn't really know what I was doing. It's kind of a learning process. I made a lot of friends that way. Um, I think I was driving without an alignment for like two weeks, and then I was like, man, I I'm like the tires are like. The toes so out of whack, and you know the car was like shaking on the highway. So I was like, I need to get this thing aligned. But yeah, from the get-go, Finman was key. Um, I looked at so many cars on the forums. I've talked to so many people before I even purchased the car, um, trying to gain some insight on how I can achieve good Finman. And it seems to me that I just wanted something ag aggressive fitting. Um, usually with this car, I, I learned that the, there's a lot of uh, purists and a lot of track guys. Um, and they like conservative fitment. They like big tire. Uh, this car is not fast. The FRS BRZ is not fast from factory, and it's not like even when you boost it, you know, it's not like a, it's not like 500 horsepower. You know, it's still controllable. Um, but a lot of the guys who have these cars, I like to track the car, which I don't blame them. I, I've always wanted to do that. But to me, like I, I was young, and I just wanted the car to look good or while it was rolling. So that was like a huge priority for me. And then the style did maintain through my mm -hmm. the next few cars that I've had. Going back to that that instance in the driveway and your dad's taking a look at you, cutting out the studs, did your parents ever say anything about the hobby? It's like, for example, I remember the one thing that my mom said about me doing this car thing is that, why couldn't you just have picked a more normal hobby? Mm. So she's not, not necessarily a fan. They, my mom, uh, she, she didn't really have much to say when she saw me, or when she saw me tinkering with the car. My dad was a little bit more vocal about it. He was saying like, like be careful with your money. Like, like you're spending, your spending is out of control. Um, and, and stuff like he, he didn't approve it, but over the years he kind of saw that it was something that I loved. So he kind of grew okay with it. And I, every time he says that, I tell him like, I got that from you. I, you know, I like to tinker things. You like to tinker things. It was, it was only bound to happen. It was just a matter of, you know, when. Um, I guess the only thing my mom was concerned about was this was all when I was still in, uh, in school, so I would, I bought the car, I left it here in California, and then I went to Illinois for school, so I would only be able to come back during the breaks uh, to work on the car, and then I'd have to fly back to school. So um, the first summer that I came back, I spent the whole summer tinkering with the car, and you know, I, I didn't want to drive until it was put together for like the first phase. After that, I spent the whole rest of the summer just driving it around, you know, meeting people, um, hanging out with friends, and this is kind of how I, I grew close with some of the old friends I met in high school. Um, who weren't initially into cars, but you know, like Edmund, uh, we got close because uh, he, he he got into cars too around the mm -hmm. same time that I did. So, uh, you know, they, my parents saw that I was doing what I loved and they kind of, you know, they grew fond of it and um, little did they know that it would grow into a you know, full-fledged business. Yeah. So take us to the phases of the FRS. Um, until yeah. now? Yeah, until now. Until now? Yeah. Um, first phase, if I recall correctly, it was like the bronze TEs. Um, after that, what had happened was I hit a really bad pothole and I cracked the front pair because those they were pretty stretched tires. Not not not, not huge stretch, but two fifteen forties on a seventeen by nine. Um, some of the barrel was a little bit exposed, so I hit a bad pothole. I think it was on the eighty north. Um, 
and then I I knew because my front right was uh, running flat. You know, I could hear the tire, and then I was like, "Oh no, what's wrong?" And then I took it to a tire shop, and they said, "Hey, you got a crack." So I, I you know, I was a little bit naive at that then at that point. I really loved how those wheels were, so I had a shop welded up. I was like, you know, it's gonna be fine. Like I can continue rolling on this for like the next few years. Um, two months later, like the crack, uh, it uh, it fails again, right at the at the very point where it cracked initially. And I was like, man, I'm so tired of this. I don't want to get stranded. Luckily, I was you know I was nearby home, so I had a friend come help me out. We sold the spare on, and then I got the wheels repaired again, and then I sold them like a week later because um, I was so frustrated. And then I think after that, I. I had a set of Watanabe's. Um, there was there was one or two guys in Soka who had similar. From, I don't know if you know um, Phil Phil Star. He had a, a silver FRS and he was running them on his car. I loved how that looked. Um, they were, granted they were size sixteen, so then mm-hmm. I ordered a set from uh, Japan. Um, so Watanabe's were next. They were sixteen by eight and a half, if I recall correctly. And the car was really really low after that because I went from seventeens to sixteens. But it rode beautifully, you know, I couldn't crack the wheel because I was on 50 sidewall tires. Mm-hmm. Um, that phase was, was I think I, I had that for a couple months as well, and I got a little bit tired of it. Um, it was cool because it was so comfortable, but uh, I wanted something, I wanted to go back to 17s just because I loved how it looked. So then after that, I th- believe I had, I sourced a set of Nismo LMGT4s in the same spec as my OGTEs as my first setup. Uh, and then that's when kind of the wheel craze began. You know, I was like, I started collecting wheels. Uh, granted, at this time, um, I was still doing my, uh, you know, manufacturing CAD business, contracted business. But to this day, I still do that uh, for, for small side jobs and a few industry friends, but um, I was still making money from that. So I was using that money and putting it towards this FRS. Um, and on top of that, some of the excess money that I saved, it went into what is now known as System Motorsports. Um, so there's actually two companies that I'm still juggling right now. It's the uh, Auto System and System Motorsports, which are, one is manufacturing and private label, other one is uh, import-export. So the money I made from those two businesses went towards the FRS. And at this time when I had the LMG D4s, um, I sourced the 17 by 922 square set. So I put that on this car and then I started collecting more TOGs. I bought back another set of OG bronze T37s in the same spec as my original one, because I missed it so much. Um, and at that point, my car, I, I, was, I had more suspension parts on it. I had adjustable lowers for the front and rear. I had uppers. And then that's when kind of the, the craziness started, when the camber started. So um, I remember putting my extended arms on and then I maxed out the arms just to see how much camera I could pull out. And it looked pretty sketchy because like the toe was all like messed up, but I loved how aggressive it looked from the front and I think that the camera just kind of stayed around that point. That was probably one of my favorite setups on this car was the LMG T4s or the T37s. Um, during this time, uh, I had ordered a set of 16-inch Workmeister CR01s um, because I like the 16 inch for my Watanabe's. Now, like, as you can tell, I was really indecisive with my wheel setups. You know, I was going through wheels. I'll swip, like, on the days that I would get bored, I would put on the TEs, I would put the LMGTs in the garage. Um, and then, so around the same time, I had ordered the, the Meisters. And then again, I, I, I sourced another set of AVS, or I sourced my first set of AVS model uh, model fives, the five, split five-stroke wheels. Same spec as my TEs. And 
The reason I kind of selected all the same sizes was because I could just put the same size tire on them, put it on the car and it would fit perfectly. Um, and there's a lot, if you, you know, go way back on my Instagram, you'll see pictures of it. Um, and then once the Meisters came in from Japan, this was about three or four months later, I put them on for a day. I think I took a few pictures on my phone and then I took them off because I was like, I don't like this. And then I sold it. Um, and then I was back on the LMGTs and the T37s and the AVS Model 5s. Um, I had a good friend uh, out in uh, Seattle. He sold me a full set of um, Blitz 03 wheels. Mm -hmm. They were 17H in a stagger. I had those two. They were 17922 front, 181021 rear, I believe. Um, I put the front pair on this car and I loved that, you know, that people hate this term hot boy. It was, I, I thought that shit was super cool back then, but um, I only put the front on because the rears, uh, I didn't order the right size tire for it. So then I never put the rears on. They were just sitting in my living room. Um, and around the same time when I tried to sell the O3s, I also had a set of white LMGT4s in the same spec. Um, so I think at one point I had two sets of LMGTs, one set of AVSs, one set of TEs and one set of Blitz. So there was like five sets just sitting in my living room. Um, after that, you know, the car already had a ton of camber. I was missing a lot of aero because I just, you know, I, I was destroying lips at the time, but I just valued the fitment so much. I didn't think I needed anything else. The car was really simple. Um, and that's kind of when traction or the following on this car started to explode. Mind you, this was like 2016 or 2017. Um, there's definitely a lot more builds today that are crazy over the top, you know. It's not a competition, but it's a lot of people take it really seriously. And it's, I've kind of like took it, taken a step back. You know, I kind of, I've always built the car for myself and I just loved how it looked. Um, but I knew Arrow was lacking at the time. So when I was still in the 17s, um, I put in an order with Japan for Varus. Uh, the, I think at, I think it was a Tokyo Auto Salon 17 or 18. I forgot what year they debuted the Solid and Joker. Yeah, it was 17. I remember 17. It was there. I remember seeing the orange, I think it was original Rundus or it was, it was actually various Japan. They had a, the, like a brown or tan mm -hmm. FRS with the solid and Joker front lip, 12K carbon, single sheet of carbon, super nice. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, uh, back in 2016, I also had a Varus kit. I had a Rising 2 full kit. I put the front bumper on because I was still in school. Um, mind you, when I did purchase the car, I purchased it in California. I shipped it back and forth between Illinois four times because I insisted that I wanted to drive my car while I was in school. So, you know, all of these wheels, this was while I was in Illinois. Um, and then every summer I would ship it back um, so I could drive it in the Bay Area and then I would ship it back to school. I think it ran around 950 one-way trip, but to me, I thought it was worth it because it was my only car at the time. Um, so I had a Varus Rising 2 kit, full paint match and everything. I put the front bumper on because it was, it was winter in Illinois. And I didn't put the rest of the kit on. I was sitting in my living room as well in my apartment out in Champaign. And I sold that to some dude in uh, Toronto. He, we met at the, we met at the um, border at Canada. I think it was in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Um, and then after, so after that, uh, back to the Solid Joker kit. I ordered that for my car. And then I knew I couldn't stay on the 17s anymore because it was just going to be too low. So um, this is when our shop kind of started importing the T37 OGs exclusively for um, the 5100 market, which is the FRS BRZ and the, I think the 04 to 14 WX chassis. Mm -hmm. They all are 5100 and it was really hard to find concave T37s in uh, like that elusive bronze finish. So we did order that. Um, the 
for the first time, this car as seen like a mini Fitment was, was when I had those OG 18 inch wheels. So after, so during that summer, I, this car had a MIDI setup on two, two 65 35s. I didn't like how it looked, but you know, the only reason I went that route was because I cracked another set of wheels uh, on the 17s and I was like, man, this stretch stuff is just getting out of hand. Um, so I put the T37s and 18s with the beefy setup. It was cool and around this time my car was, I boosted it. It was Jackson Supercharged, so I was making pretty good power and I wanted something to hook. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of losing track of the whole time because there's just so many setups. Yeah. But once my Varus kit arrived, um, I, just, I just really valued that Finman that I had my very first setup, but I wanted to do it in 18 inch. So that's when I sourced a set of staggered OG TEs um, in 18 inch for the Varus kit. And then that's when I added the camber again and some stress tire. And this is, this might actually be um, the setup that was most remembered for this car was when I was on the full Varus kit, um, supercharged, the bronze TEs. Around the same time I had, I sourced a big brake kit. Uh, it's, it's actually right behind you in, that, in those boxes, the Brembo Club Sport mm -hmm. four piston big brake kit. Um, and then I also had a cage fabricated for this car. It was a, originally it was an auto power four point cage, um, but then I had a, um, a fab shop uh, Weldon taco gussets and then X bars to kind of make it more sound. And you know, it's, it was a little bit extravagant considering it was a street driven car, but you know, I loved how it looked and that really kind of, this car just spiraled out of control at that point. Was that your favorite piece on the car? I would say so. I think to this day, I, I love that cage so much. It was just so unique. I had a, I'm sure you know Jason, right, in SoCal. We talked a lot back in the day when I first got the car and he had a very, he had almost the same cage built before me and I got the inspiration from his cage. Um, I, I wanted his original cage, but I think our friend uh, Ross or Clint in uh, SoCal, he has a Varus FRS, it's gray. Um, he has the cage now and I wanted to do it again. So I had a shop build it for me. Um, it was a pretty expensive project. I think at the end of it, it ran me around five grand all said and done installed into the car. Um, but I loved how it looked. Mm -hmm. And I actually just sold the cage maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, it was a local sale, but it, it looked great on the car and the car was so put together. And, you know, at this point I was thinking, man, like I have all these parts in this car. I might as well show the car. You know, I, I always attended shows in the past, but I never thought, I was like, nah, I'm not gonna exhibit the car. You know, it's not not nice enough. I always, to me, I always thought the car wasn't nice enough, but I liked how it looked. I just didn't think it was nice enough for other people. Um, so around 20, this was around 2018 now. Um, by then the the business system was already grown a lot. Um, and I was thinking, yo, let's do Wegfest San Jose. I was telling Edmund. Um, so we show the car at Wegfest, you know, everyone, the, the car has kind of had a following at this point and people come out to Wegfest, they see the car, um, so it's really nice, you know, to put, you know, you go to a show and you put uh, people's faces to names and you f I finally get to meet my customers, you know, uh, and they get to see the car that what I've been working on. So Weekfest 18 was kind of uh, the debut of this car, you know, it you know, looked great. But then even then I, uh, I, I had an addiction to wheels. So um, when Ray's Japan announced that they were discontinuing the T37 OGs, the original TEs, I was like, I knew I had to put in another order, um, a batch order um, of TEs. And I wanted three colors. I wanted the trifecta colors to me. I ordered another set of spare bronze TEs in the same spec that was on the car. I ordered a spare white set and I ordered a spare formless silver set all in the same size 
um, just to keep it on ice because um, I knew I, I wouldn't get a chance to source another set in the future. Um, and to this day, I think the Formula Silvers might be the favorite that I've ever had on this car. Um, the build list for the cars is 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 pretty detailed. It's kind of it's published on the forums, not not as much as your build, but to me, I thought I there's not much I can do to this car anymore other than to uh, uh, build the engine, build the motor, because um, I didn't want a turbo. I, the supercharger was cool, linear power, but you know it wasn't. I wanted like I like the I like the feeling when boost hits. Um, so around Weekfest 2018, that's, that's actually when I purchased the uh, Type R, um, which kind of brings me to the point of why this FRS is bone stock now and ready for sale, is because when I bought the Type R, I thought, wow, this is so practical. There's so much space, you know, it's fast from factory, it's reliable, um, I can carry more than two people now, you know, it's great. And uh, that's when I kind of fell out of love for the FRS, you know, it's because I was driving the Civic so much, uh, and you know something practical. I just loved. It. I, I guess that's part of growing up. But mm -hmm. to me, the the effort kind of lost its charm after I started driving other cars, and I was like, wow, you know, there's a whole other world to this. And then it brings me to my first setup for the Type R, and, and you know, fit, again, fitment was key. But um, things didn't really spiral out of control for that car because I knew it was my daily driver. I wanted to be practical. At the point, in, back in 2017, when this car, the FRS was boosted, I was more concerned about getting state ref because it was my only car. You know, I didn't want to have to remove the supercharger again and then, you know, get the citation signed off. So I was like super paranoid. Every time I saw a cop, I would just exit. You know, I would take the long way home to avoid the police. Um, so the Type R really kind of alleviated my stress when just doing day-to-day -day commuting uh, errands and such, you know, because I didn't have to drive this boosted, loud-ass, you know, car that obviously looked illegal and it didn't belong on the streets because you know there was too much camber stretch tires it just didn't look safe um but the type bar kind of you know revitalized my love for driving you know driving back in the, in the back roads and then so i kind of wanted to take a more uh functional approach to the car while still maintaining good fitment so i tell a lot of people that it seems like everything that you do to the car to modify it makes it that much more uncomfortable whether it's going low, stretch tires, racing seats, mm -hmm. harnesses, um, putting a cage in there and essentially like me ripping out the back seat. Mm -hmm. Like the car's loud, mm -hmm. it's obnoxious, the ride is not all too great. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and compare it to an OEM car, like a Civic Type mm -hmm. R, it's drastically different. Mm -hmm. And I can see where you start to fall out of love mm -hmm. with, with that car. Um, but how is it that you ended up now with the M3 after the Type R? Um, so when I bought the Type R, I thought it was everything, you know, that I could want in a car. I was like, you know, there's no other car I want right now because this thing is just so practical. Um, I think the first year I owned it, I put 15 or 16,000 miles on it. And this, I had the FRS and the Type R. So, um, after a lot of driving in the Type R, I thought it was super comfortable on the highways, but I've always like, I've always lusted after like an M3, you know, back in the day, I wanted an E90 really mm -hmm. bad. Um, I was looking at the F80s. I was thinking about, I was thinking about leasing them because I know BMW their lease program is is pretty enticing. Um, but to me, I, you know, I I haven't owned these cars for a very long time. But I didn't, you know, it's it's hard for me to justify committing to a three year lease. You know, because now not even a year later after owning this car, I want to sell it. Um, so I bought the M3. The M3 is kind of a, a black sheep. It doesn't really belong in this garage. Um, because I didn't need it. I didn't need it for anything. It was just kind of a, like a nice weekend car. 
you know, I had the FRS and then I had the Type R. So the Type R was the daily. And then my intuition was, oh, I'll just drive the FRS on the weekends, right? Weekend came around. I didn't really want to drive a slammed FRS after driving a comfy ass car during the, during the, during the um, week, right? So I was like, I need something. Uh, I've always wanted, I've always liked German cars. I've always liked BMW. So why not get an M3? And that's when this car came in. Um, I searched very long and hard for this car and this spec. Um, if you haven't noticed, all my cars are black and it, it was really like, I wanted my, my, the key ones that I, the key options that I wanted was the car needed to be black. Um, it needed to have a slick top with carbon roof. Um, it needed to be a competition package. Um, a lot of the current or soon to be M3 owners don't realize the allure that the competition package has. Um, just because the engine is a lot more refined, you know, it's not likely to spin the crank hub. Um, I like how it sounded more and uh, the competition seats, competition wheels are cool. But I, it was a really, I think it's a, it's a the MSRP on this car alone is $80,000. But I, I searched long and hard for this car on the West Coast and I actually found it in Hollywood at uh, BMW Century West. Um, and then I needed that warranty. I needed a um, warranty intact because, you know, I just wanted peace of mind. So I drove to SoCal for the car where I was actually dropped off and then I purchased this car, drove it back and I was, you know, I knew this was the car that I wanted. I think to this day, you know, I try to drive it when I can, but uh, because it is for sale, I don't want to put too many miles on it. But I do want to say like, you know, after I got the Type 4 and after I got the M3, there really was no point having the FRS anymore, which is why, you know, I decided to part it out. And I think I, I actually parted it out after a local show here, BAM. You were at BAM. Mm. BAM 2019. I didn't know that t that show was going to be the last time I drove this car. And then I got home and then that weekend, it just kind of occurred to me that, hey, maybe it's time to let this FRS go, you know. Um, and here it is, bone stock. I sold all the parts. I think I only have three, two or three parts left for it. I parted it out really, really fast just because of the, the following that this car has. People wanted the parts. Granted, you know, I my my intuition behind building cars, I always want to do things right the first time. Um, which means authentic parts, no knockoffs, you know, if you buy a rep part, like how I can't, you know, we can't, it's hard to sell a used replica part, you know, cause people want, you know, authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, I always believe in that and which is why I don't, I don't rock, you know, replica parts. Um, you know, but I'm not going to bash people who do, you know, it, it's their choice. Um, that's just my personal preference. So this car got a lot of exposure, as you said, and then the stand station article came out mm -hmm. for it, right? Did you see, I mean, throughout the process and then after that article, did you see a lot of negative feedback coming? Um, so I have, I, w I want to say I have pretty thick skin. There was a lot of, you know, quote unquote kind words sent to me while I was building the car. You know, people, I've, I've gotten words, you know, driving around town, um, people saying, hey, is that even safe? You should get that off the street. Um, I was still young at the, at the time when I was building it. And, you know, even as I got older, I, I just learned to ignore it. So, uh, but when this car was posted publicly, like on the forums or, you know, Facebook, there was a lot of heat that this car got. People saying like, oh, you know, that's not drivable. That's just like all show, no go, which is true. You know, I did build it for show. I built it for myself. Um, I didn't track this car, but uh, it never really got to me too much, especially, you know, with the Stansation article, a lot of the readers there believe in fitment. They believe in, you know, form over function, you know, which is kind of what I kind of believe in, you know, now I'm, I'm a little bit more of a functional guy, but I appreciate when a car looks good. Um, and the car did get a lot of praise in, in that aspect, you know, in the stance world. Um, but it never really like the, the negative, you know, words and thoughts never really got to me. 
So you took your time with this car and it seems like you're taking your time with a lot of the cars that you're choosing. Do you think that people see you as kind of like an authority for the chassis or, I mean, there are people I would assume that look up to you for the cars that you've had and sort of the, the business and the, the, the mindset that you have. Mm-hmm. I would say it certainly has helped, you know, granted, I don't think I'm the most knowledgeable guy or well-versed guy for this chassis. Um, but a lot of things that I know, you know, I try, I just try to spread information, correct information. I know there's a lot of misinformation on the forums, on, on Facebook. Um, you know, I, a lot of things that I've learned is from personal experience and discussion with others. So, um, I can see why people might look up to the car. You know, I don't think I'm anything that special. Um, but I just try to impart with them my wisdom that I picked up along the years. So, um, when it comes to fitment, yeah, we, you know, I, I, even to this day, you know, for our business, we get a lot of phone calls saying, Hey, what setup are you running on your FRS? What do you need? Um, and we offer package deals on, on what we can supply for this car to achieve that same look. Um, you know, but that's something that I learned over the years. I had, I had to get my hands dirty. I have always worked on my own cars, uh, up until I think, uh, maybe last year, maybe early 2019. Um, for the Type R, I, you know, I always dial the myself. I try to install everything myself, but you know, over the years I've, I've, I've had less free time to do everything myself. So I would just have, um, you know, my technicians do it. You know, that's something I wish I had the time to work on my own cars, but you know, these days it's a little bit hard. And you know, for like an M3, I don't, you know, I'm not very well versed in this chassis and I haven't done enough reading to work on it myself, but I trust uh, the guys that I work with. So, uh, they can, you know, they, they know everything. They've been in the industry long enough. Um, so I trust them and, and how they're going to deal with the car. So to sort of close things out, I know that with your business, you're obviously contacted by a lot of people who are younger that mm-hmm. aren't as familiar mm-hmm. with wheels, fitment, mm-hmm. lowering the car. Um, what kind of closing words of advice would you have to the young community or the people in general with your basically your frequently asked questions as a business owner and as a as a owner of these fine vehicles here? So it's I am not gonna lie, it is a little bit frustrating when people they want an immediate answer. You know, people we get emails and phone calls all the time saying, "Hey, can you provide or publish a list of everything on this car?" Which we do publish, um, but people just want to know, "Hey, what parts?" They ask the questions and then. That we don't hear from them, you know. It's all about like, hey, what are your wheel specs? We, you know, I don't have a problem with sharing our, my, our, you know, things that we run or the sizes or the, the offsets and whatever. But you know, they take the information, they run, um, especially on Facebook. If you, I don't know if you pay attention to it, there's people who aren't so familiar with the chassis. They don't really take the time to gloss through the forums. You know, there's hundreds of you know forum posts and guides on FT86 um, Club. It's a forum for the FRS Beers community. Um, I learned everything on the forums and watching videos, but these days people will ask, Hey, how do I install coilovers on, you know, Facebook, which I understand, but you know, there's a lot of guys, people just, I don't think they read enough. So I think if the, you know, I'm not saying everyone does this, but I'm saying if, if a lot of the, you know, you use the search button, (laughs) use the search button, use, you know, YouTube, use forums to your advantage, because that is a very valuable resource when learning about cars, especially if, if you're learning about things, you know, that could, uh, um, compromise your safety you know you want to i you know people want to you know slot their coilovers or camber which isn't a problem you know but i highly i I don't recommend it even on mine i don't slot it um it's not safe you know i don't want to you know see on the news that you know some kid died because you know his coilovers fell off or it slipped or whatever um but i do highly recommend for the community 
just to, to do a little bit more reading. Um, you know, we don't mind answering the questions for them, but you know, when they're starting from ground zero, you know, they haven't done any research. We typically ask our customers, have you looked into the setup yet? You know, have you read any articles? You know, they say no. It's kind of hard to, you know, explain, you know, years of information, you know, in a single phone call, right? So it's better for them to do the reading first and then let us know what, what they need from us so we can help them supply uh, parts for their car. Um, that would just be my, my one takeaway from building uh, the FRS. I know the, F, the Type R community and the M3 community is a little bit different, but the FRS, because it's a very hands-on car, it's a very cheap car to get into, um, there's going to be a lot of young owners. And with young owners, um, they, you know, they have a sense of urgency. They just want to look the best for the cheapest amount of money you know, while doing the least. Um, and I think that's a mentality that definitely needs to be uh, corrected. In due time, it'll happen, you know, but everyone, you know, everyone learns. No, I definitely agree with you. You see the, the change in the trend, people wanting immediate answers, mm -hmm. people wanting things for the cheapest as quickly as mm -hmm. possible. But I appreciate you taking the time to mm -hmm. sit down and chat, getting to know you a whole lot more. And I think everybody out there is looking mm -hmm. forward to whatever your next black car is going to sure. be. You know? <laughs> pleasure, pleasure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man.